Um, you should be very glad that I, uh... Did it work? Yes. So, hello everyone, and uh, welcome back to another round of controllers and couches. I'm Full Metal Chicken. I'm Steph Fafar. Otherwise, you can just call me Steph. Steph is fine. That's my given name. Apologies as you hear me clanking around. So, uh, yes, we have come back. There's been a bit of a break because, as they say, things have been rather hectic. Um, fully hectic. Um, so, yeah, going into spring, into you mean summer. summer? Well, summer. Sort of summer. Uh, not really today. Today's the 2nd of December and it's 8 degrees outside, for, which for us in Melbourne is like, oh, we're in the woes of winter. Which, but, um, is, which is nice. Yeah. Let's hope that all summer hangs out this way. You're 75% here. Some jingle bells, and that's not Santa and his reindeer. No. It's our floofs. Yes. The bunnies have the bells. So. They're, they're out running. They're I'm about just, to play chasey. I'm just hoping the rabbits don't chew through any power cords. Oh, well, I put them all up on the table, so we should yeah, theoretically so, be okay. Yeah, so the rabbits are out to play today. Um, so, yeah, um, what are you drinking today before we start, I guess? Well, at the moment... I've gone for a classic Ceylon tea. He's using the Dilma loose leaf Ceylon yes. tea. Have you tried Premium. My, yeah. Have you tried Premium. my Dilma? No, well, but hypothetically, I'm, I'm... if you've tried my Dilma, that means you've broken into the house. <laughs> so get your own Dilma. I have uh, the higher living green tea coconut because it's going off soon and I feared I should try and use some of it but in Hoosel, bottom line um i want to apologize that we haven't been recording and posting um because it's actually entirely all my fault i kept delaying because as everyone knows it was my first research year and then when i was free you were busy and then when i was busy you were free and after that we also had this massive issue where i had to take our soundcloud down because some people hijacked our feed on um, Apple Podcasts, even though our hosts have always, from the a month before we started the podcast, was Podbean. And it wasn't Podbean's fault, it was something to do with iTunes and some, I think they were Portuguese, and they had a similar RF feed to us, and somehow they used our RF feed instead of their own. Yeah. And then we were told, oh, all right, uh, correct it. And then I emailed iTunes and said, what are you talking about? We've had this same, we've only ever had this RSS feed. It's never been changed. And then they've gone, oh, well, no one's changed it. And it's like, well, someone had to. And if I didn't do it, and you don't have the password because it's a Mac, like it's, you know, you've never done that sort of portion of the podcast. So it's not like it was one of us. And then so we obviously did the whole password change and everything, but thus far we haven't had an issue. So I apologise if indeed you were a SoundCloud listener, but I can promise you that we're on top of it being on the Apple iTunes. We're on Spotify now, Stitcher and TuneIn. If there's any service that I've missed that I'm not aware of, please be sure to let me know because I can very, very quickly just add us onto that service as well. Um, But yes, we're with Podbean. We love Podbean. Podbean are our best friends. They're the only people we've ever been with. And they automatically upload us to places like YouTube too. So, yeah. Yay! 
Um, anything else I've covered? No. Mm, well, that's pretty much everything. So from the time away, you haven't read anything? Uh, nope. <laughs> I've pretty much read nothing. I've literally just been pathetic on that. Front. No, you haven't. You've been um, busy. I've been, yeah, flat out working. Um, flat out just running errands. And I've been able to play some Call of Duty. That's about and it. Pathfinder! Yeah, Pathfinder. So that's been good. But, um, Which obviously, you kind of got me addicted to. Yeah, so obviously. <laughs> um, yeah, Red Hulk. Uh, that one's for you. Get the de- get the next game running. Um, that's our GM. Yep, DM. Well, he win. says that it's not... Yeah. We started with Dungeons & Dragons, but the, our GM, because in the yeah. Pathfinder, you know, on Starfinder or Starcraft, whatever it is, Starfinder, my mistake. If the word is uh, game master. Yeah. So, woo. What do you do? That is life. Yep. So we're, we're four. Ga- we're four adventures in, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I'm drinking my tea out of a very Christmas theme mug. It's got, uh, what do they call them? Snowflakes. And reindeer on it. They kind of look too big to be reindeer. They look yeah. more like meese. But they're, they're probably like the moose from Chernobyl. The mutated. Michael. Yeah, they've just mutated. <laughs> anyway, I have a quiz for us. Oh, I we should have mentioned that today's podcast is on Cheyenne Mountain Complex, which is the one I promised to do with you for you specifically many many months ago but i hope you've held out because it's gonna be a good one but let's start with our quiz today yep yep and we'll head into a few topics that we wanted to talk about and then we'll jump into the new we'll jump into the 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 topic of today's podcast so this is butterfeed but oh my god it's gonna be a long day this is buzzfeed as always and i found a very applicable quiz for our lives and it's titled, This Science Quiz is Hard, So Only Actual Scientists Will Do Well on It. Yeah. Now, you have a graduate degree in research. I'm yeah. undertaking my second because one wasn't enough. So they were like, here, let's give her a scholarship and give us some more time. So this is my second one. Between us, we have... Too many. Is it... I'm, it's into the sixth now yeah, between the two sixth. of us. So yeah. we need to bring this home. And what I'd also like to state is... Looking at this says also, it's not just like bio. There's no. a lot of, there's some anatomy there. There's, uh, what's, meteorology? I, I personally think, um, it, yeah. So it seems to be like 60% general bio. It seems like American general yeah, science. Yeah, so, so it's probably we're bio. I'm also a bit more anatomy kind yeah. of, so and we'll I'm get this chem- together. Yeah. Biochemistry. Yeah, so let's see how we go. So question one, something with a pH balance of three would be considered a... Solid. Alkaline, <laughs> base, acid, or solid? I'm going to go with acid. Yeah, I'm going to go acid. Okay, so for question number two... What is the chemical equation for glucose? C6H2O8? C8H4O6, C2H6O6, C6H12O6. And what do you think? Because I know which one it is. It's ingrained yeah, in my brain. I'm going C6H12O6. Yeah. Okay. 
So this is our field here. Um, which organelle is responsible for breaking down and recycling macromolecules? Uh, first one is lysosomes. Then we have mitochondria, Golgi apparatus, and ribosomes. Do we explain this for the children at home? Maybe afterwards, not now. Okay. Next podcast, All right. maybe. Lysosomes. Yeah, lysosomes for the uh, I just let me do one sentences for each. Okay. All right. Mitochondria, the powerhouse of the cell, generates the ATP. Golgi apparatus, that's all the transport and yep. stuff between blah, blah, blah. And ribosomes, that's where all your proteins are synthetized upon. Yes. That's it. That's all I wanted to say. And so we have. RER, which is rough endoplasmic reticulum, we, and smooth endoplasmic reticulum, which is endoplas endoplasmic reticulum without ribosomes. That's all. Please know. excuse me while I run to the sink to like deposit this yeah. strainer that so I forgot. So essentially, if you were to look at to a a mammalian right, cell, read the next okay, fine, fine, fine. First, you learn to know that's another podcast to oh no, let yes. me go on to my soliloquy. Yes. Okay. So, what did Gregor Mendel experiment with? No, the answer is not meth. Um, my question <laughs> demonetized. Demonetized. <laughs> Strawberries. The chicken is on fire. Peas, sugar cane, or bananas. or bananas? Oh, you know those green bananas. So yeah, peas for the win. Okay. Gametes are produced by... A. Binary fission. Articulation. Covalent bonding. Meiosis. These guys are idiots because they should have had mitosis and meiosis. Yeah, can't trick us. Okay. What can we not do to energy? Destroy it. Destroy it, transfer it, store it, convert it. Can't destroy it. Okay. Which of the following is not a hydrocarbon? Methane. Propane, cellophane, ethylene. That cellophane's a plastic. Yes. For the folks at home. Absolutely. Now, here's a fun one for all you atmosphere buffs out They're there. They're called meteorologists, Michael. No, I like to say <laughs> meteorologist buffs. Yeah. Um, so, put the atmospheric layers in order from closest to furthest, or should it be farthest? I'm noticing that they don't have biosphere in here. Yeah, well... You know. um, basically, I'm going to read one, but you have to get them like the right order. So there's stratosphere, mesosphere, troposphere, thermosphere, exosphere, magnetosphere, ionosphere. And then they have alternations starting with stratosphere, troposphere, mesosphere, stratosphere. I thought stratosphere was the highest. No. Because they're like, oh... They've blast, you know, their their popularity has blasted them into the stratosphere. No, well, technically, the exosphere is the highest. The troposphere okay. would be close. Uh, wouldn't magnetosphere be highest because it's like? Well, exosphere is outer. All right. Okay. Well, I'm gonna go for the second one, which is troposphere, stratosphere, mesosphere, thermosphere, ionosphere, exosphere, magnetosphere. Oh! Because it makes sense for the, what, the, the poles, the magnetic poles, that's the yeah. word. So you went stratospheres yeah. first, exosphere. No, I went tropo, strato, meso, thermo, iono, exo, magneto. So isobars are lines on a map that connect areas with the same atmospheric pressure, climates, cloud coverage, or storm conditions. I don't know. Would you like a hint? 
to me, ISO. Yeah. Alright, so if this is... Climates wouldn't be right, because... I'm tossed between atmospheric pressure and cloud coverage. I honestly don't know. I'm putting in atmospheric pressure. I'm going to put cloud coverage. Just Oh, no, you were right. 100%. You go, girl. Did you know that, or did you guess that? I learned that in Scouts. Doesn't mean it. Oh, what we did. Good work. So proud. <laughs> the first human hair developed by fetal hair follicles is referred to as languo, meconium, vernix, or pupae. Uh, I know all about pupae because then flies. So it's lanugo. Yes. A definite PhD holder. Definite PhD. I got 100. Yeah. Oh, good work. So. Watch out, everyone. We have a scientist over here. You have Ooh. absolutely brilliant mind, and you soak up knowledge like a sponge. You'll be the first one to learn all the secrets from the universe. I scored better than 97% of quiz takers. What did you get? What um, was yours? Watch out, everyone. We have a scientist over here. You have an absolutely brilliant mind. Oh, so mind. same as uh, mine. You know, you scored better than 100% of quiz takers. Sweet, girl. What? Better than 100% of... I think they're trying to say you got 100% on the quiz. But it's not... Look, we don't do it to make ourselves feel better about ourselves. Oh, no. Ourselves. It's just... Anyway. I'd like to see, you know, a fifth grader do this. They'd probably get 100% oh, easily. Dude, yeah, fair enough. All right, so we have uh, four articles that we're going to quickly talk about today. Yes. Uh, three of which are from you. The first one you sent to me months ago because you wanted to read it to me. So I have no idea what you're going to tell me. I just included it in the show notes yep. in our note thingamabob. So hit me with it. I, don't, I haven't even accessed the link. It's just there for you. Okay. So um, I, I would like to point out that all I know is on the 10th of April, 2019, according to this link in, it looks like a Guardian link, doctors discovered four live bees feeding on tears inside a woman's eye. Yeah. So that had me very intrigued. And the reason why it's intriguing, because if um, anyone has been to my channel, um, I have a line that, you know, about bees. You know, without bees, you know, we would we not have, have trees. no cheese. No cheese, no trees, no bees. So, yeah, a bit of a joke. So, anyways... Um, we call it hashtag bee money. Bee money, yeah, hashtag bee money. So these things called sweat bees. Not sweet bees, sweat bees. So they're a separate genus yes. and species. So essentially what's happened is... That makes me feel a lot better already. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when they went for an inspection... Inspection? <laughs> She's a car getting a service. Yeah. So they... Uh, <laughs> hey, Bob Jane. According to Dr. <laughs> Hung Chi Ting, um, who's an ophthalmologist... Essentially found these little insect legs in her eye, oh. so pulled them out slowly, one oh. at a time, without damaging them. I would though, love to you sequence know. those puppies. Yeah. Um, so essentially, what would happen? What what happened was a family member was inoculated, infected. Kind of, yeah, was at a you know at a family member's grave and was pulling out weeds and she felt something go in her eye oh, no. and then it started to swell up you know do you know that every time my eye is going to get itchy now that's what i'm going to think anytime i feel anything in my eye whether it's just because my eyes are dry michael why did you have to do it today when today i went to see the optometrist for the right. first time in seven years no so essentially at the hospital the oh. next day um 
at first they thought it was an infection, but then they looked at her, oh, well, he's eye through a microscope. Um, they saw the the tiny bees wriggling in her tear ducts. So essentially what was happening is these sweat bees were feeding off the moisture and the salt in her tears. Um, so essentially the good side of it was um, good side. the patient's eyesight and the bees were saved um, by the fact that she hadn't rubbed her eyes. Um, and an interesting fact... How could you not rub your eyes? Exactly. So washed with water but oh. didn't rub her eyes. Or he, he's Because you'd yeah. squash them straight away. Yeah. And, but how did you... I, so, I have so many questions. Yeah. And essentially the small bees, um, halactidae or sweat bees, um, they're attracted to human perspiration. And they're, you know, found worldwide. So I just want to describe these for the people at home. Um, so if you're kind of like squeamish, please skip a couple of minutes ahead right now. But basically they look like teeny tiny ants. They don't look like bees bees, if that makes sense. And they've flipped open her bottom eyelid to show this woman. How do you, would you not see them? Like I get a piece of dust in my eye and I'm all about rinse that out with water let alone to, oh, okay, that's all I'm going to say. Yeah, and um, the interesting thing about these guys is they nest in the ground. Some nest in wood. Um, <laughs> Others in people's eyes. And they go for moisture okay. and salt and everything. So I found that quite fascinating. I'm not saying it's not fascinating. All I'm saying is that that poor woman. Yeah. I'm glad she's got so rid of them now. She had a swollen eye. And, and among some other things. Four little bees. I wonder if she's going to keep them in a little um, specimen jar forever. That's what I would do. Possibly. I'd have them fixed in formaldehyde. Um, this next story is my story. I remember I mentioned this to you in the last podcast many, many months ago. But I wanted to do some more research before I just kind of like pretended to know what I was talking about. And this is where I was talking about... Um, how the increase of CO2 in the atmosphere is going to knock out the stratocumulus clouds and that's going to accelerate climate change and stuff. So I found the journal article at the time that I looked for this, the paper wasn't actually submitted yet. Also too, accepted. a completely quick side note, we forgot to mention that we've been watching The Mandalorian regarding climate change. So Look, everyone's note, been watching but... The Mandalorian for one reason and one reason only. Yo, baby and Yoda. I, yes, and I actually saw this meme today. Um, it's just I, they're stupid, like you know, like why cool. do they go and do? And it's a picture of it's from Variety, so they tweeted they tweeted it out, and it's like Baby Groot's response to hashtag Baby Yoda stealing his spotlight is I am Groot, and it's this gif of Baby Groot looking all cute and shit, and some guy called Matt Rorbeck, he goes. I would use baby Groot as firewood to keep baby Yoda warm. And I'm like, I, I've never gotten behind something so much in the Star Wars universe before in my life. Yeah, it's just crazy, you know. And it seems like the Disney is just killing everything at the moment. Like They're just taking it up and killing it. Just like these clouds. I reckon Disney is behind the loss he's, of He's talking shit. He's clouds. not being yeah. serious. But, yeah. All right, next... Topic but also here. too, just in case people out there are wondering what a stratocumulus cloud is, it's the little puffy cotton balls. They look like puffy cotton balls. Is it really nice ones when it's a beautiful clear day and you go outside and yeah. You call them Johnson and Johnson clouds. Cotton. Oh, that's what I'm thinking. Johnson Johnson. Johnson and Johnson clouds. 
Yeah. So. There are three main types of clouds, but I guess we can cover that in a separate podcast. Yeah. All right. Next up for you is uh, this link you sent me the other day. Physicists identify metal that conducts electricity but not heat. Mm, yeah, this one was interesting. So, essentially what they found was uh, researchers have identified a metal that conducts electricity without conducting heat. Now, if you understand the use of conductors, this would be good because essentially good conductors of electricity will also be proportionally good conductors of heat. So, motors and appliances get hot when we use them regularly. So, wow. Yeah, right. So, your phone, for instance, you know... Well, that's well, not so much, but it does get hot. But no, like it does warm up. It's just at the time. Up, like, but that's when it's your phone, like it's it's regulated. Do you know what I mean? It's not yes. something like a a better example is like you said, a car or like a kettle. Yeah, it has to heat up to. So essentially, a team in the US showed um, this isn't the case for metallic vanadium dioxide or VO two, um, a material that's already well known for a strange ability to switch from a see-through insulator to a conductive metal at the temperature of 67 degrees Celsius or for you Americans 152 degrees Fahrenheit um, and it was completely unexpected uh, and they found this back in 2017 from a lead researcher Jung Kyle Wu from Berkeley's lab materials sciences division now I'm it- looking at this picture hold on let me just uh I'm adding it to no, no, no. I'm gonna put it in the web doc so you don't have to run around. Um, it's this picture of these guys, and they're injecting it into the um, what's it called? Far out. The electron spectroscopy setup, right? And they're just wearing plastic nitrile gloves, and one guy is wearing his general glasses. Another guy in the back is wearing his general glasses. No lab coats. No PPE besides these plastic gloves and the gloves aren't even fitting the the main researcher properly because you can tell their two sizes too large and they're injecting all this shit into this spectroscopy instrument but the reason why this is like massive isn't it because it breaks one of the laws of thermodynamics or some shit like that yes so if you can look at this in space travel or that sort of stuff. If you can contain the amount of heat that, well, thermodynamics, you know, how much heat you put out. Apparently they could use them as spectrally selective coatings to block infrared transmission to reduce the loss of building interior heat through windows. Um, And because you can vary the amount of tungsten in a transition stage at a temperature, and you can change the how yellow or green the colour of the iron gets. Yeah. Um, it's it's going to include passive camouflage properties. It could be used, tanks. Yeah. Thermal so. beacons, communications, or to speed up or slow down cooling. It can be a fast optical modulator, infrared modulator, or a missile guidance system modulator. So I think that that's pretty cool. They're, they're just going to run around. Sorry, he's running around to collect them because he thinks he can calm them down. But what he doesn't realise is is that it's playtime. So they're just having fun. And as we all know, bunny rabbits are extremely fast. So um, this last piece of news that comes straight through us through a Science Alert publication from 
um, a nature kind of paper, um, which if you don't know, nature is... If you get published in Nature Cell, um, what's the other one? It's a big deal. Yeah, you can't get deal. higher than that. You Then you're the Beyonce of the publishing universe, right? In terms of science. But you sent me this study and I almost passed the fuck out because I am actually a behavioral scientist. I'm a neuropsychopharmacologist by training. Um, but basically, can you paraphrase this for me? In the exact same words you used back in the day. <laughs> back in the days in 24 hours ago. Yeah, so essentially... Strap yourselves in, because... Apparently, uh, according to this... But it's one test. It's one test. Can we get this right? It's one behavioural test in one species. In one species. And they didn't say how big... They they didn't talk about the the stats behind it either. So I don't know. New Caledonian crows, or... Corvus monedulloides. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but yeah, close enough. Uh, was the first of its kind conducted on both children and crows at the same time, researchers uh, were saying. But essentially what they did was these particular crows can pass the marshmallow test, which is what human children can do too. So essentially a child... Is, so basically this is a... It tests of self-control and restraint and it tests yeah. cognition so your ability to like make decisions and yeah. plan for future so the kid gets this marshmallow on a plate and they can either eat it straight away or, or eat it late instant gratification yeah. to plan ahead so, so or they kind of go oh i'll eat it later yeah. or if someone's if an examiner or their parent walk into the room and say hey would you like to here quickly eat this marshmallow before we go or whatever like that right and essentially this is a famous experiment that was conducted in the 1960s yeah so basically it is a well documented it is well published so it is well documented it is well published i'm looking like for the stats right now but i don't want to alarm people because i do this shit for work right so all i'm saying is it's freaking fantastic and i want to read this paper but all i'm saying is number uno um, when you do these kinds of tests, you have to take a lot of things into consideration. One of those is uh, the color of the marshmallow, the flavor of the marshmallow, yep. the side of the plate you put the marshmallow. You, to you, that may not seem important, but those are kind of innate preferences. Just like I may say, I prefer the color red over the color green, right? Yeah. It. Uh, they might have a preferred way to go about things like when i walk i walk a specific path yeah um they might have a specific specific direction they wish to travel they might have a specific color so they might have encountered a rock that was white before and they might have felt like they almost chipped their beak trying to crack it open once so they may not go for the white marshmallow right and i'm looking at their data right now and they have a 95 percent confidence interval but the thing that I don't understand is how they were able to... They didn't do it on the same day, if that makes sense. So they spaced it out. And you want to do these kinds of experiments on the same day because you want to remove that variation of time, which to some people may not be a big idea, a big problem. But it does, for a behavioral 
psychologist and stuff like that, that does play a large. And I don't understand how they can ordain the age of the bird to match, like to age match it to a human child. Now, the other thing with this too is for this particular experiment, a child was placed in a room with a marshmallow and they were told if they can manage to eat the marshmallow uh, or not to manage, sorry, if they, if were, they, if they could manage not to eat it for 15 minutes, they'll get a second marshmallow. So essentially delayed gratification, you know, shows mm-hmm. cognitive abilities of future planning. And then they wanted to look, you know, or they can study human condition. Oh my, oh my God. So essentially what happens is with the crows, they can't understand how humans um, talk. However, would... they can be modified. And what it came down to was with the actual tray and the plate that they used, they used two treats. One was immediately available. And then a better one comes available as the tray rotates in a short Where time. Is this done? So essentially, it would be a case of the better the treat or a higher quality of food, say. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. it has to be a preference. Now, with the children, for instance, the rewards weren't edible. They used stickers, you know, large, glittery things and mm. higher quality reward. However, when they you look at the study, it was done with nine wild caught crows and as opposed 61 to 61 children, children aged between three and five yeah. now take into account the age group of the children three or five, three to five and so, i'd also like to point out that if this is going to be used as a test of memory and cognition women compared to males have higher um rates of like more because you obviously the rate of women outliving yeah. males therefore that kind of impacts the cognition rates and heavily like weighs it towards the females having a higher rate of cognitive decline to males so to say that they had 31 male children to 30 female children i i personally work on a disease where it's female heavy therefore i only consider or i highly weigh the results to the females compared to the males whereas this is almost equal right yeah and then you say that but then it's they break them up into ages of the kids um but, where did it say here it was like oh they're uh, so the 20 kids age three 21 kids age four 20 kids age five right yeah but also um when the the rewards were visible both the children and crows were equally you know delaying uh, gratification all i'm saying is i'm seeing these error bars on these crows and they're pretty they're pretty large because small group they've only got a small group of them yeah um i'm interested to see why they didn't do a test on outliers like a grubs test or something like that yeah and they also did another one in 2014 based on the marshmallow test and this time the the crows were given a snack and trained that if they waited they'd be given a better snack, either in quality Jeez. or quantity. So essentially in this test, they the birds were more willing to wait for the better delicacy and or than a larger quantity of inferior snack. So Good essentially the crows are able to learn hand tracking potentially with their feeders and observe humans placing treats, setting up the actual test. Mm. But so, see, not every bird's going to get that no. life where you have you're relying on humans to feed you a specific time a certain way but that being said magpies and magpies ravens and crows have been known if for instance if you're walking in the park or a street and you live in that area 
The birds in that area, dependent on how you interact with them, can treat you as a threat and they will no. dive bomb you more. Yeah, of course. So if yeah. you leave them alone or you feed them, they will come back in pack mentality. Not so much African miners because African miners small. are a pest, unlike the Indian miner. No, of course, but what I'm saying is no one's going up to the kid and no. training the kid to eat. No. It's very different to say he's a marshmallow to he's a sticker, right? Yeah. There's no description. So they've age-matched the kids and they've broken the kids down into certain age groups, which is fantastic, right? Because then you can say, oh, so at what age are they on average developmentally or cognitively equal, right? But then they don't break up that data in the kids. It's all averaged out. Yeah. into one value as opposed to oh this is the cognitive score of all the kids age three this is the cognitive score of all the kids age four all the kids age five which i guess is harder to do with crows but i'm pretty sure that somewhere there is a breeding program for crows for model animal breeding for research if that makes sense you know what i mean so it's like why split up the kids into age groups if you're only going to combine them yeah like you can do a lot of like, that's what I do. Even though I'm looking at one behavior specifically, I analyze 500 other things back of house. So you can, once you have that data, you can do so many things with it. So I don't know why they didn't compare age, like specific ages to the crows individually. Potentially. That's how I would have got better. But anyway, sorry, don't mind me. Like I said, that's what I do for work. So. But the interesting, here's a, in conjunction to this though, Another test was, another, or some more research did, well, sorry, was conducted last year. Um, and that particular marshmallow test um, for impulse control failed in a particular research. So, um, yeah, as they said, you know, it, it could let you may switching away from the crows for a moment, saying that um, dependent on how well a child does on the marshmallow test, will later translate to... It's more of a social science. Yeah. It's more of a social science it than it is one of cognition. So that what they're trying to... So they took it from the cognition side of, um, like, oh, how long does it take a child to think, yeah. to reason, to eat it now or eat it later? But that's not... If that's what you want to do, you do a test of memory. Yeah. Do See, a test of, you know... Because what this can be done, this can be... You can actually... In that sense, train people to wait. Yeah. To wait. Offset gratification. Wait. Wait. Which is what... Prep them for adulthood. Exactly. And thrusting them into society. Yeah. Any mohoozle. I'm going to jump straight into this because we've got a... I'm sorry. I took us for a very, very wild detour. Yep, yep. I'm sorry. Um, welcome to today's topic, which is Cheyenne Mountain. Which is the Cheyenne mountain complex i apologize if i'm pronouncing this wrong i watch uh we're three quarters through what do they call it longmire so i'm pretty sure i can pronounce cheyenne correctly uh, as a white girl from australia but if i have not i apologize i'm just some crazy white if not bitch. we blame stargate i i'm blame me but i apologize please forgive me if indeed that's what i'm doing wrong and that person sitting at the computer and they are laughing <laughs> uh yes. be nice Michael, be nice. So basically, I'm being nice. the Cheyenne Mountain is home of a massive complex for NORAD. And Stargate. No. Yes. Yeah, but we're talking in the real world yes. currently. They, they have a Stargate. They're just not telling people. It's a massive military installation. It's a massive, actually, military-grade bunker. With a Stargate. 
which is unincorporated from El Paso County, Colorado. So that means that even though it's located within El Paso County, Colorado, it's actually not part of the county. So it's like saying that there's a state within a state, but it's technically not part of that state. So essentially the disclaimer is Old El Paso, there is no taco in the mountain and there is no Stargate. Yes, pretty much. But there is. Um, and it's close to the Cheyenne Mountain Air Force Station, and that makes sense because NORAD is like Air Force kind of people, yeah. right? And so it obviously hosts a lot of the activities of... There are several people, and by people they call them tenants. So like Air Force, whether it be NASA trying to do some stuff, um, and other people looking at satellites and... So that could hypothetically mean that if they're conducting Stargate tests, that they could also... They're not uh, conducting Stargate tests It makes sense, because essentially what they're doing is they're firing tacos into wormholes, which is decreasing the stratocumulus cotton bud clouds. So essentially, atmospheric tacos. Listen, we're talking about weather control in a separate podcast, all right? So Cheyenne Mountain was built between... Uh, the 18th of May, 1961, and the 8th of February, 1966. So almost about a little over five, under five years worth of build time there. Uh, it's located within Cheyenne Mountain, which, oh my God, could you imagine? Is a mountain. Oh, that, that's so smart, right? I know, right? How, the, how well they name things in comparison to biology Amazing. and anatomy and physiologists. It costs a whopping one point. Uh, $142 million back in 1965, and as that was US dollars, obviously. Um, and we all know me, I like to convert uh, things to inflation. So it went from what is, let's round this out, to $142 million to what is today $1.14 billion. Uh, also, too, while I'm making fun at Cheyenne Mountain, I'm not, in fact, having a dig at the Cheyenne people because... They are the indigenous people of the country. And we plates. pay respects. Yes, to... even though we're not American, but, you know, obviously, the jokes aside... We're talking about the mountain, not the people, yes, not the people. Who, who own the land yeah. that the, the installation is built upon. Yeah, so, you know, two native tribes in America. There you go. The Cheyenne. Okay. Now, back yep. to the mountain and the Stargate. So, apparently, their annual budget is $175 million US bucks. I could buy a lot of space tacos with oh, that. I could buy a lot of dice for Pathfinder with that. All the tacos. Uh, apparently, they, if they were to duplicate it today, right? So if they yeah. were to rebuild it, make it exactly the same today, uh, all the missions they handle today, that would cost almost $18 billion US dollars. Oh, that's not much and. Market. Um, however, it costs all this money, right? They run all these really, really important missions from there. However, a lot of experts believe, and I'm not the expert, but people that actually talk about, um, like, what do they call them? People that do the nuclear weapons testing and stuff like that, and there's a word for it, and I can't remember. Um, they're the ones, it's not... There's a word. The Manhattan Project? No. But they're the people that risk assess, Mm. right? All of their... um, It's called an asset. Yeah. Right? And they risk assess all their assets. And I can't remember what that word is. But according to them, they say that even though it's worth all this money, even though it's built in a mountain, it wouldn't be able to withstand a direct hit from a modern-day high-yield nuclear weapon. But see, the thing is, are we... 
looking at a bunker buster or are we looking at they didn't specify but yeah. the paper like the article i read suggests they said look you know as well as, as much as because they're trying to say that they should rebuild not rebuild it but they should build an, another um norad facility yeah. right and that's what they were going at um, so quickly, just the mountain itself is 9,565 feet above sea level. And I chucked a picture in our notes just so that way we can kind of reason how big it is. This bitch is huge. And you can look at it and it's very steep. It's got a lot of ridges. There's some grass cover, but then you look at it and it looks like it's sheer rock with like some shrubbery and some trees kind of around it and whatnot, right? And it's obviously home to one of the most secure military installations in the world and so you look at this mountain and then there's this pipe that just leads into dark like a a tunnel that leads into darkness it's got razor wire on both sides a ton of lamps you can see some piping in the entrance because of the way the sun is hitting there's one lane in one lane out and that's what it looks like there's tar like a actual infrastructure built road And so that's what it looks like to the naked eye. Apparently, it's shielded by 2,500 feet of granite. And it's all, you know, people that live there, pretty much. And they gather, analyze data from global surveillance systems and a ton of other undisclosed things that the general population, such as us, is not allowed to know the existence of. And it warns the government's highest officials of launches and missiles and sorry launches whether they be whatever uh threats to northern america north america only because stuff everyone everywhere else right so allegedly the military put norad here in colorado because it's in the center of the continent geographically it's far from the soviet bomber bases and missile launches and deputy historian brian leslie said that the first command center oh sorry that's what the Deputy historian Brian Leslie has said that because of its location in the center of um, mainland USA, I guess. So, like, that that makes sense. Uh, it's first, so there are multiple command centers that have been built, and then they build further ones, and people just move around, kind of like it's an apartment complex. And the first command center is now decommissioned, um, and that lives in the base in the early 1960s uh so before they were building it it was clear that the place that they were at before wasn't able to survive a nuclear attack so the place that they were at um at an air force base in colorado springs and that's what led them to decide to build into the mountain um so it's a big jump kind of to kind of go okay here's something that was finished being built in late 60s to what is next year going to be 2020 so that's 60 years that this facility has been in use, right? So you can imagine that even... That's why I think the guys are panicking because even to... like, It's not enough to stand modern-day stuff. If you're talking about stuff that was a threat 60 years ago, we have so much more in the arsenal... Not us, Australia, personally, but other countries having the arsenals that could smash that through, right? Uh, So in the 60s, Cold War era, they decide to burrow into the mountain... Uh, the original command centre room is small, it's about 12 metres squared, 
Apparently they had eight big video screens lining the walls in their prime. There was soft lighting, muted colours and sound muffling surfaces. I could not find what those sound muffling surfaces were so I apologise for that. Um, but yeah, that's what it was like. Apparently at the height of the Cold War in the 1950s they wanted a hardened control centre. Um, so that's what, what led them to conceptualise kind of building this facility and then the army corps of engineers supervised the excavation of a mountain i want to know where that dirt went the the uh that they excavated <coughs> the pyramids uh, no construction thousands of... upon thousands of years after apparently this like it's a granite mountain so it took some time and that's where a large chunk of time actually went into um like the ex excavation process as a plan for the build if that makes any sense whatsoever so it became fully functional as the norad combat operations center on the 6th of february 1967 and over the years as we've said a lot of people kind of uh use it to support their services whether it be for aerospace warning control um whether it be for like ballistic missiles or whatever for air attacks against north america they try to focus on meeting the asymmetric threats of the 21st century. And that's kind of like, all right, but you're not built to withstand that. So how are you going to go about it? Yeah. Uh, so apparently there's this other corporation, or co I don't know if it's a corporation department, where it's called US Northcom. And they're also within the command center now. Apparently they had the 50th anniversary of the NORAD agreement which was on the 12th of May 2008 and that's where the uh, Cheyenne Mountain Complex was officially re-designated as the NORAD and US Northcom Alternative Command Centre. So it wasn't decommissioned but it is a backup um, facility if that makes sense. So yeah like how shit is that though like I can imagine that this is a sacred land and they've, they've just excavated this large chunk of the mountain and like oh we, we've gone somewhere better we've gone somewhere better yeah we're just gonna go elsewhere so pretty much now they only serve to pretty much between any given day five and thirty percent of what the population would have been when it was the actual main head facility um so it's an alternate command center it's used as a training site for crews to get them qualified so they can actually go to the um, main base that it was replaced by. Uh, what else have I got here? Um, apparently, it was also redesignated as an Air Force station because, um, as I said, Peterson Air Force Base was nearby. Uh, then there are like lots of units, and apparently the weather service for a little while was using the facility, and then federal emergency management was also using the facility there, and then the U.S. Civil Defense Warning Center most recently kind of um, took over a little bit. To, well, not took over, I should say, but like uh, opted in to use those facilities. So I wanted to delve into the history a little bit. Um, we've all just already sort of like covered its build. And that sort of stuff so um, basically on September 12th 1957 uh, a binational organization both so being Canada and the United States Air Force command units because um, they're obviously comprised of NORAD they first made this kind of agreement on the 12th of May 1958 
and they decided that they were going to construct a command and control center in what they quoted as they were quoted as saying a hardened facility a cold war defensive strategy against the long-range soviet bombers who uh, dealt with ballistic missiles and in case of a nuclear attack and so they looked at a ton of sites they recommended the um bear mountain bear is in b-a-r-e and then they were like, oh no, let's use the Westover Air Force Base in Chicopee in Massachusetts, which is called the Notch, apparently, in their names, for lack of a better term, their nicknames. And that wasn't good enough because nearby nuclear blasts to Massachusetts, because Boston is obviously there, um, would have kind of been too close, if that makes sense. And then so they decided to excavate... Shrine Mountain, I guess they needed something to do for the army between the Cold War and uh, Vietnam. So that's a joke. No one got that. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. And then um, apparently, ignore it, the children just running around just, like spastics. Just I, being there, normal they spastic have selves. A there has to be a Stargate. I don't think they have a Stargate. But uh, apparently, they've obviously, since it opened, they've had to do a lot of. Uh, improvements and upgrades if you will so they've done that to the center's displays application software it provides real-time positioning of orbitation of spatial systems uh, and all that kind of thing so they they do a lot of modernization as uh, technology improves uh, there's safeguard commands which I don't know about and I can't tell you because I'm not part of that chain of command there's control systems communicated warnings, observational data, attack assessment to combat the operation center. So basically, um, how like if there is an attack, they they risk assess and they're like, oh, if there's an earthquake, this is what we're gonna do. Oh, if there's a you know nuclear launch near us within a certain amount of kilometers or what do they use miles, this is what we're gonna do for various stages and all that kind of thing. Um, Apparently, they uh, also consolidated the U.S. Air Force uh, satellite um, survivability there, and they look at space surveillance as well. And that kind of concerns me because why do you need one pe one group, or I guess they're not one group because they're a lot of people, but why would you have both military and space stuff in one place? Like you'd think they'd be two separate think branches, yeah. but I guess it'll kind of makes sense because you want the best um, systems there to check stuff and apparently they have up to like five backup systems in there and they've like at certain times in certain years they've had like two or three and then they decommission one and then it goes back to three like to two and then they bring in a new one and then there's like three backup systems plus the new one and a ton of other stuff and there's like literal pages you can read that I'm not going to go and read but of all the updates and repurposing of compatibility and backup backup compatibility and they want to make the systems more robust so they add all these new stuff and wholly ineffective you know some for example the computer may be wholly ineffective and five months after installing it they may say look there may be a uh 
an issue with the computer and it will be wholly ineffective, ineffective for our system and result in a failure of pretty much our whole get up here, so let's get rid of it, let's bring a new one in. And they kind of like troubleshooted as they figured out and they also sent out a lot of false missile warnings as they tried to tune this, if you will. Apparently, the, like the biggest one that most people remember is a computer chip went haywire, in quotation marks and issued false missile warnings and that raised the possibility that a nuclear war could be started accidentally based upon incorrect data. So staff that lived there had to analyse the data, found that the warnings were erroneous and that the systems were updated to identify false alarms. And the general of the Air Force at the time, uh, General Hartinger of the Air Force, which I already said, stop double-staying things, Steph, said that it was his primary responsibility to provide Washington with what he called timely, ambiguous, and reliable warning that a raid on North America has begun. So apparently, at that time, 6,000, and this is in, um, what did it, in 19, between 1979 and 1980, there were 6,700 messages generated each hour. So that's a lot of stuff that they have to track so you can imagine you know if you've been at your post for 15 16 hours and something's getting a little close and you haven't been able to identify it yet because you haven't read one dispatch sheet you know you get a little bit antsy Mm -hmm. and imagine like that was like what we said nearly 50 years ago what's it like today because they would be trekking in the northern North America, like they'd be checking planes, helicopters, light planes. Um, what else can ping up there besides it also being a space station? All the junk that Elon Musk is just releasing out there, and he's not painting satellites the right color. But we can talk about that on a different day. Yep, Do you know what I much mean? Anything and everything. So that's what I want to know: is how many, how much more has that expanded upon? Since tenfold, tenfold? Oh, who honestly knows? Uh, so, in what year was this again? Oh, on December twenty third, nineteen eighty three, uh, the Joint Surveillance System or JSS was developed under an agreement with the Canadian government, and then so they put in another seven region operation control centres um, within Cheyenne Mountain. There was also the survival survivable communications integration system that was implemented by the US Congress in 1986 and that was to communicate missile warning messages simultaneously over many forms of media but it was proved to be very like there were a lot of delays with those messages there was a lot of cost to the project um, just in the three years between them deciding to to implement this project in 1992 to it being delayed in 1995 the price cost or like almost doubled from 1.4 to from 142 million dollars to 234 million dollars right uh, so you can imagine and that's just analog television that's just normal radio what about today if they were to do that like that's the interesting thing if they build these things and they have no thing for future adaptation and i know you can't predict what future technology is going to do but could you imagine like my iphone could send a message no problem an email to you know people that quickly as opposed to they don't want things to interrupt or be intercepted so yeah yeah 
Um, so apparently in 1992, the US Space Command used the Center for Baker Nun camera images. They connected it to ground wave emergency networks. Uh, they also had like radars, they communicated with radar in Norway. Um, there were first command and control squadrons in the bunker that were there to provide space collision avoidance uh, to assist, um, what do they call it, Houston? the JFK Center, is that what it is? Yep. In October of 95. In June of 93, they used it um, with a ton of other acronyms that we've already discussed, like the weather system, and like everyone just lived in this facility at that point. Uh, they tried to do a $450 million upgrade in February of 95 for the Missile Warning Center, and that was part of a bigger plan to do a 1.7 billion dollar renovation program for Cheyenne Mountain. So, and that goes back to us saying that's almost at the time when it was built in the 70s, like it was only let's say roughly 16 billion dollars, right? So, I guess it's not a big cost compared to what they paid originally, but you kind of go they're just shoving money into this mountain, right? And then a few years after that, about six years afterwards, they were like, hey, this is when Lockheed Martin came up, right? And they were on the come up, if you will. And then so they got a contract from Command Control to upgrade all the missile systems within Cheyenne Mountain. And that included the space surveillance systems, which were delivered in 2006. And they also modernized attack warning. So this is all you hear, modernization, modernization, modernization. And then they, a little while after that delivery, they also upgraded the warning systems. And that was more than $700 million worth of money. And they were upgrading from 2000 to 2006. There were a lot of del uh, delays to other upgrades for the surveillance portion, uh, the space surveillance portion, because they were superseded by joint space operations so they were like hey um we have all these facilities why are we putting all the money in this old one that we're not really using so much because we've moved over to the new one so in 2003 uh ground-based mid-course defense or gnd had been contracted for cheyenne mountain and they planned an 18 months cheyenne mountain realignment where they wanted to move the command center operations to the peterson air force base and that was completed uh a long time after that on the 13th of May 2008 however they did like a ribbon cutting uh, thing a few years before like a couple of years after it actually opened and they did a so they opened it right and then they had to do another upgrade and another re, like renovation and people a lot of people actually question why they need to do so many renovations why do they need to do so many upgrades and then so there aren't that many conspiracies tied to Cheyenne Mountain itself apart from what are they doing down there do they have like alien technology that's uh, wiping out all of their um, equipment or are they wiping out all alien technology and it's affecting their technology and then therefore they have to uh, you know rebuild essentially and renovate for lack of a better term like why are they spending so many literal billions of dollars upgrading like people couldn't fathom they're doing all the dodgy stuff i think yeah not that i'm saying it's happening i'm just saying that's what people were saying not me but um obviously citizens that taxpayer money was being used to drive these yeah. um emissions i guess or rebuilds whatever you want to call them 
So in 2006, they decided, like I said, no, we don't want to be here anymore. So they moved to uh, the Peterson Air Force Base. And then Canadian Military Defence Partners also relocated there a short while after. Today, Cheyenne Mountain is maintained by a skeleton crew. I couldn't... They didn't actually give specific... And you can imagine why they wouldn't want to give specific numbers of how many people are there at any given time compared to what were there when they were obviously the head station if you will um all i could find is that they run to five to 35 percent of what it it was built to house in its prime um and today it no longer operates on a 24 7 basis but it is on warm standby so that means it's only on staff when recruited uh, when required so if they're kind of like oh we sense a potential threat then their skeleton crew will be there and general maintenance and stuff like that people were there and apparently people actually like live in the mountain and they have a fake shop that they set up for people a fake restaurant that they've set up for people because when you go in there it's like it's a big deal and stuff but uh, i don't know i i can just read tell you what i've read i haven't been there myself um so yeah we've already pretty much said what it's functions were and everything like that we've talked about its migration basically it has it had a few facilities um because it was built under 2000 feet or 610 meters of granite it covers approximately two hectares which is five acres for everyone else there are 15 three-story buildings and they are still allegedly protected from movement whether it be from earthquake or explosion um, apparently there's a system of giant springs that they built, like, because you know how it's Colorado Springs, right? Yeah. Um, so apparently there's the, the system of giant springs underneath the buildings, but because the buildings sit on flexible pipe connectors, um, the movement that is able to occur if an earthquake or explosion occurred, if that makes sense. Yep. Uh, so they have... Um, Pretty much the Department of Defense certified that it was able to withstand an electromagnetic pulse. So I guess that rules out the whole, oh, they're EMPing their technology by EMPing. And I don't know. I'm just reading what I've heard. Uh, apparently in the main chambers is also a lot of cots or beds, for lack of a better term, for personnel. Um, and there's suites for high-ranking officers within the bunker. There's a medical facility, a store, a cafeteria. Sorry, I thought it was a restaurant. My bad. Um, but they've gelled it up to make it look like it's a restaurant, like a French, like an Italian restaurant. Oh, yeah, you know what I mean? Being, I mean, they're getting pretty bored if you're underground. Yeah, because I, I watched some footage that because they let a news crew in, and I was like watching some YouTube YouTube shit months ago. Um, there's also a fitness center, so they have, like have a mini gym inside, and there's also one outside. My favorite part, and I know what's going to be your favorite part, is the blast doors, right? Yeah, twenty-five pound blast doors, two of them. So the bunker itself is built to defect a to deflect a thirty explosion. I don't know what that is considered. Is that considered a lot in today's day and age, or is that considered thirty-five, 35 megaton? Yeah, of TNT nuclear. Yeah. Is that considered a lot today? That's considered a lot. Because then why are they able to withstand modern day nuclear... I guess if you're launching many, you know, if you're going to do many attacks, I guess that's a thing. So it can... Well, Hiroshima, um, little boy, was 15 kilotons. I guess you're thinking that multiple... You know what I mean? Like multiple missile missiles will be targeted. Yeah. 
Um, so it wasn't like obviously the, the nuke that went off in Hiroshima. What they're saying is twice that amount. Oh, way more. You know, it's um, hypothetically, you know, you've got nuclear yielding um, five point two megatons. Um, but that's more in the 1960s that mm. those kind of weapons were being tested. But 35 megaton, that's... that's as close as 2 kilometres, 1.2 miles. It would do a heck Yeah, I know, but what I'm, what I'm thinking is, right, excuse my bullshitness, but say that they released, they being whoever, not ASIO if you're listening or whatever. Hello, ASIO, If yes. any other American or Canadian people listening. Oh, this is not what I'm asking. Well, think of it this way. One kiloton is a thousand tons. Yeah, but that's not what I'm asking is, right? Say, you see how it's got the 30? Yeah. Say that 310 megaton nuclear explosions went off. Is that enough to knock it down or is it one big one bitch big he's one. 30? So it's resistant up to that stuff. Okay, got it. So it's not like a loading bar. It's like 10%, he's a little bit weakened. Another no, 10, he's a little bit weakened. It's damage constantly gotcha. hidden. Gotcha. That makes sense to me. Uh, should a nuclear blast hit the building, they're designed to withstand a blast wave. There's a network of blast valves and unique filters to capture air um, contaminants, whether they be chemical, biological, radiological, or nuclear. Even though you think that nuclear is radiological, but I'm not going to fight that statement. And as Good Sir suggested, within the mountain are sets. So it's not just one, um, but there are sets of 25-ton blast doors. And there's another uh, civil engineering department within there as well. Outside the complex, uh, there's parking because, you know, you have to drive to get there. <laughs> there's a heliport, a fire station. I'm guessing that's because there may be fires, like, around the mountain. They don't want to risk it, but I don't know. Outdoor recreational facilities, um, which include the Mountain Man Park, some picnic areas, a racquetball, which I think is... Um, they call it tennis court squash not squash it's the the one with the badminton yeah. facility softball field a sand volleyball courtyard so you can feel like you're the dude from um top gear top gun sorry a basketball court a putting green so we can play a little bit of golf and a horseshoe area however if you're like me and you want to go and drive up there and check it out apparently uh there's some gates <laughs> military gates uh, that are on the state like uh, state highway 115 interchange and it's uh, apparently manned hmm. so don't do that okay it has its own power plant heating and cooling system as well as water supply and the 721st mission support group are the people that have to make sure that there is 99.999% degree of reliability of its like utilities, whether they be power, water, air conditioning, and all those other support systems. So the threats in descending order of likelihood that the complex may face today... Oh, sorry. In descending order of likelihood that the complex may face uh, medical emergencies, natural disasters, civil disorder, a conventional attack an electromagnetic pulse attack, a cyber information attack, um, 
or a chemical, biological, or radiological attack, or an improvised nuclear attack, or a limited nuclear attack, and a general nuclear attack. Um, so, from what I understand, an improvised nuclear attack is like someone building a teeny tiny bomb, or uh, doing some dumb shit with one scud, if you will. A limited nuclear attack is something that's not attacking a place of serious importance, if that makes sense. So, like, they're not here to... Oh, shit, I hate saying these things in case it gets highlighted. Like, they're not here to bomb a, a landmark, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then there's a general nuclear attack, which is, that's it. We're here, and we mean business, and we're going to pretty much bomb everything out with nukes. Um, so, obviously, they get the water from the mountain springs that we set underneath the base, and they fill, the springs fill a 1.5 million gallon reservoir that ensures that even if there is fire, there's enough water to meet the facility's needs. Oh, that makes sense, because if there's a fire within the mountain, they need a fire. Yeah, okay. Here I am thinking, oh, there's going to be fire on top of the mountain. I'm an idiot. Please excuse me. Okay. Um, apparently, there's also a four-point on water heat sink, and that makes sense, because you've got a lot of uh, stuff, really expensive and there's also massive, massive, I couldn't get a value for how massive, massive is, reservoir for diesel fuel, and a huge, again, couldn't understand, I couldn't get any details about how big the battery bank for redundant power generators. The peoples that live there breathe filtered air that comes in through blast valves. So those blast valves, they breathe through it generally pretty much every day. Uh, and then in general functioning, like it being today with not, a lot of operations being dealt. They have six generators, an internal 10.5 megawatt power plant with and nearby, and you can see this in the YouTube video that I'm talking about, but there's a giant door and above it, it says, without power, it's just a cave. A very nice cave. Yeah, a very, very expensive cave. Um, so basically the, re the reasoning they give today, because you know how a lot of people are like, oh, People wouldn't do nuclear as a first wave option. It would be an EMP because everyone is so connected to any kind of device or whatever it being. So people were concerned that what if it being in Colorado, um, the center of the US, uh, and if someone tries to hit in the center of the US with an EMP or whatever, how would the facility go? So basically if an EMP was detonated near the mountain, it would knock out everything surrounding Colorado Springs, but inside the complex, the computers and the lines entering and supplying the complex, because they're on their own supply, if you will, will remain functional and safe and won't be knocked out, if you will. Yep. And that would probably be... So I have this other dumb question, right? Um, say I have a computer, but it's off and an EMP goes off, is that computer still non-functional? Yes. How does that work? Because even though the components, there's no electrical current going through it, they're electronically active. So that's why the EMP or charge will go through. It's like static. If you gotcha. touch something, the charge will go through. So that EMP is an electronic, electromagnetic Field. pulse. Gotcha. So it's going to go through and fry circuitry. Yay! Yeah. Um, so apparently, uh, the rock that they've built into attenuates electromagnetic waves 
and the way that they've built and put the infrastructure of the metal within the buildings, they've made the facility into portions of Faraday cages. So the charges would go around, but not within the buildings, if that makes sense. So they're grounded upon grounded. But you know what I mean? Like live wire ground. No? Okay, never yep. mind. Um, so yeah, that's that's pretty much it that I have for you today. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Like yeah, Cheyenne cool. is pretty cool, and you know, for instance, obviously the reason why we wanted to do um, Cheyenne Mountain is because you know I'm a big Stargate buff, um, and we do realise you know that obviously people think that Stargates aren't real, but we really know that they are. Well, didn't the um, FBI release documents recently that said that they were looking at? Um, Stargates, but they called them something different, mm-hmm. and they cancelled, if you know what I mean, uh, projects relating to invisibility and a ton of other shit like that. So you know what? Look, there are a lot of podcasts. And if you want a deep dive, I can do that, right? Because yeah. I listen to people who do this on the regular. But I just need to know how crazy down the rabbit hole you want to go. <laughs> yeah, because the Stargate program was actually funded by the CIA. In the movie or in real life? Real life. There was a Stargate program. Are you serious? Or are you talking shit? No, dead serious. There was a Stargate program and essentially the American government was looking into psychic phenomena. Yeah, I told you. That's the whole... um, Don't don't say it. It's the whole thing that Stranger Things is built upon. What's it called? Don't tell me. Um, Oh, shit. I know what it is. Just tell me. I've forgotten. Uh. It's more just essentially looking at, you know... Shit, what can I remember? <laughs> yeah, it's funny. So... Yeah, so they wanted to look at the ability to acquire information. Um, this, look, this is what 13 does, right? Yeah, pretty much. So... Big Mountain. No, but it's a, it's a, what was the name of the project? I know the project had a name. I have it here listed in the show notes of stuff I wanted to cover in the future. The Stargate thing? That and what the thingamabob they were talking about. Why am I so stupid? Just look up Cold War. You'll, you'll find it. No, I, I, I'm i an idiot. But I swear to you, I know precisely what you're talking about. I I know... Yeah, it had names such as Grill Flame, Gondola Wish, Center Lane, Sun Streak... And its original moniker, which was Skinate. Um, and essentially, it was an acronym. Project MK Ultra. Oh, what yeah, the yeah. fudge? Stupid yeah. brain. All the uh, fun stuff. So. All because of an LSD researcher. Yeah. Woo. I'm such a twerp. Right, so, but yeah. So, yeah. so you're telling me that Stargate, Pro- Stargate Project. Yeah. Was a co- Oh my god. Are you joking? No, dead serious. You- and so was MK Ultra within this? I don't know. We'd have to like look at it. I'ma do this. Alright, thank you for that, because yeah. I-, I can't promise it. my plan was um my plan was to do the um Scientology <coughs> <coughs> um, <coughs> part two. Science. Because uh, I remember we stopped off describing who the hell the dude 
who built uh, <coughs> the <coughs> legendary Alvaron yeah. Hubbard. <laughs> legendary, yeah. Um, legendary. So I know that's where we finished, but I wanted to pick up where like we talked about Sea Org and going into hiding and miscavige and modern day stuff. Um, that wasn't my plan, but I was also going to say, do you want to do the Temple of Artemis next? Because we can... Because I have to do a lot of research for this Scientology one. Because this, these ones like take a couple of hours, like three, four hours to, to think. But when you're doing something as big as Scientology, like people, you, you have to watch a lot of videos to get the first hand quotes. So do you want to do Temple of Artemis next? Okay. And then I promise everyone I'll do Scientology Part 2. Because Scientology Part 1 is like our most listened, I was going to say viewed, but that's not right. Sorry, I have a bud nose. So if I sound stuffy, that's yep. what that is. Um, oh, don't mind me. It's the MK Ultra. They've invaded. Oh, they're using mind do you, bullets. Do you remember that? It was a meme, but it wasn't really a meme. But you know how people write stories and then crop it into a picture? And it was this kid in primary school. And they could tell... You know how you can feel a blood nose starting? And so they turned around to the Christian in their school before their blood nose started. And they were like, just literally microseconds before the blood nose started. And they were like, hail Satan. And the blood started coming down, and then the kid, in, the religious kid in the school. No, I'm not doing the story justice. Hold on. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, some crazy stuff. All the fun stuff. <sighs> oh, here it is. It was on Funny Junk, and I saw it literally years ago. So it was on, um, what's that website called? I don't use it anymore. Tumblr. And it was by Punt, so P U N N E D. And he or she, I hate misusing people's pronouns, was I get bloody noses a lot and I can usually feel it about 30 seconds before it starts tripping. They, those people are lucky because I get about five seconds tops if it's a really bad one. Today in class, my nose started to bleed. But right before, I turned to this very religious boy who sits next to me and whispered, Hail Satan. As my nose started to drip, he freaked and fell back and hit his head. He had to go home for the rest of the day. <laughs> Uh, funny. I love how I can recall that, but I can't recall the name of MK Ultra. Yeah, maybe that's the the case. It's supposed to be blocked. I mean, I always say so. Yeah. Um, that's that's pretty much it. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. I'm real paranoid about my eyes now. Nah, they're, they're fine. They're completely healthy for anyone wondering. He was like, you have very, very healthy eyes. And uh, that's what I was most worried about because I haven't gone in about seven years. And um, I wanted to do it because, as everyone knows, I sit, I live in front of my computer, literally. I'm not joking when I say this, but up to 20 hours a day when I'm deep in the throes of, must get this research done. And my eyes feel like they're burning. Yep. And I know that sounds very, very pathetic. But it's like having a hangover for four months at a time because that's what it was like. And stupid me didn't prioritize her health like I was instructed to by people very close to me. And so I put it off and off and off. And um, so, yeah, I'm glad it's all good. Uh, for anyone wondering, I don't have the specific research to give you actual names of papers. I have to look into it myself. But apparently, if you're on your computer a lot, it's not the blue light filter lenses that you need it's the anti-glare ones is yep. that what they were called the I, have to, I, I have to look at my quote hang on let me get 
the thing, so yeah. not... Yeah, so, anti-glare. That's the ones you need to go to if you're on your electronics a lot. Multi-coating. There you go. Yeah. Um, that's what you need. Uh, apparently, walking out in the sun for two minutes in a full, bright, sunny day does more damage to your eyes in terms of blue light projecting than staring at your computer screen for a couple hours. But you can imagine when you're in a dark room, literally, like, you can tell people, like, you can back me up on this, right? How, especially the last six weeks of my honours course, I essentially lived in the confocal microscopy lab, and obviously being fluorescent microscopy, you can't disrupt your fluorophores, so the lights have to be off. So I'm sitting in this dark, dark room for literally seven days a week, up to 20 hours a day literally i think i was averaging the last six weeks what was it like 16 17 hour days and the last week was 20 hour days and see the thing though is you need blue light though no i know but they don't the spec savers don't do blue light even though the website says they did yeah but because the flip side is as much as they say oh yeah you know block blue light and everything if you don't have enough exposure to, you know, yeah. blue light, like sunlight as well. Well, that's the thing. Like, if you're sitting in a dark room... Yeah. So, like, obviously all of my devices between my Mac stuff, so like my laptop and my phone, between 8 p.m. and 8 a.m., they're on the full yellow light part of the phone, like, part of the thing settings. Yeah. And then I was just saying to him, him being the optometrist, um, look, this is what I'm dealing with. And it's I know it's just fatigue because you stare at stuff yeah. but the thing is when i would go to sleep i just wouldn't be tired and my eyes you call it screen burn yeah and or so rest to burn. yeah so if at the end of the day i pay health insurance and if my health insurance is going to pay 75 percent of it and all i have to do is pay 45 bucks yep. to get it done and by get it done i mean just buy the glasses just to read it's like there's no no prescription is just the um coated lenses to help you know not bad i guess even if it's psychological if even if it's um uh placebo yeah will do but mm. you know at the end of the day you don't, you don't want to be damaging your and your i don't eyes. want to rely on eye drops because if you rely on them too much it's too and you know what do you do yeah also yeah. um in regarding the topic of light um, maybe in the next podcast, I'd like to go into bioluminescence because I don't think people are... You know what, we'll do it next podcast. Um, I find that the interesting thing about bioluminescence is people are actually looking at harvesting that kind of energy source um, because at this point, approximately 90% of ocean life is bioluminescent. Oh, well, okay. 90% of... Um, I suppose sea life who live below 1,500 yeah. feet are luminous. All right. Well, we'll do that next week then. Yeah. And, um, yeah, because there's some really interesting stuff that... Uh, and yeah. we have to cover what bioluminescence is. Yeah. So can we'll we talk do... about Gafipa? Done. D yes, we can. So, uh, yeah. That's pretty much it. Do you have anything you no, want to share? No, I thought I'd just finish oh, on a light so, note. There's so much stuff that happened. And like, what's a shit thing that happened and I talked to you and I bitched about? Uh, there's so much. Yeah. I hate so many we'll things. We'll have to like go just back give to me, Just give me one. I'm trying to think. 
Um, oh, Steam. Most recently, it's Steam. Yeah, so we'll discuss some issues we're having with Steam next podcast. Okay, have yeah. we gone over? Uh, no, we are currently sitting at one hour, 23 minutes. Just give me 10 minutes, all right? I just need 10 okay. minutes. So basically, as everyone knows, it was good for the... Good, I was going to say Good Friday, wrong holiday. Black Friday, right? And that's the... I don't subscribe to shopping, and it's the only thing I bought because... Um, obviously our GM has been very, very busy, so we haven't been able to go down and play in person. And so he provided us this alternative, and I think it's called Fantasy Grants. And so basically it's like playing it, but it's on, it's on a screen and you get to, you get to see your character on the screen and they will still talk to you and whatnot, but the, the aspect of the game is on the screen, right? So you don't have the objects on the table in front of you, um... And, like, we're not doing it for a permanent transition onto electronically only, but we're doing it for when people are busy and we just don't have the time to travel. Or if we're like, hey, we have two hours to play today, um, let's just, you know, have a mini adventure. Uh, it would be a good alternative. So we got the name of that, and then I noticed, because I wanted to see what it was, and it just happened to be that I was up on Friday morning. And for anyone that knows me is that, I have a lot of Steam credit that was that's been sitting there for about five years because, um, I don't want to say I don't think I forgot about it, but I just don't use it if that makes sense because I'm a console yeah. gamer. <laughs> so stupid me, <laughs> clicked on the Fantasy Playgrounds link. It took me to the the store for Steam, and I saw that obviously for Black Friday sale for what was going to be, uh. A hundred and something. I don't want to say fake prices. Let me just let me just check it before I do a dumb. Oh, because it's still on sale. Ha 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 ha. Um, I don't want you to open the app though. you open the app. All right. So basically, what we wanted to do is have a. F they sell it as a to buy individual license. Um, or you can buy a four-pack license, so that being that you can have four copies of the same game. And so what I wanted to do was, um, so what the original price for the game, it's like just have one copy for myself, was $56.95 full price. But the whole thing, both the single and the four-pack copies are 75% off. So I could have um, gotten just a single copy for $14.23 Australian bucks, but it was cheaper just to get the four-pack for forty-two dollars forty-eight, as as opposed to the full price being one hundred sixty-nine dollars ninety-five cents, right? And so I figured, oh sweet, you would have one, I would have one, and our GM would have one, and we'd have one spare for whoever wanted to be with us that particular week if we had an extra person, and they could just bounce back who had that copy, or if we had one other person that joined, um, like Nate for example, yeah, um, they could have that copy, and then so I purchased them. I spent the money, well, being a portion of the... I finished up what I had in credit, and then I paid a little bit out of pocket, I guess you could say, um, outside of the credits. And then I sent Rob his gift, and I sent you your gift. However, I want to ask if anyone else is having this stupid issue where you try to open the steam client from the web page from the gift hyperlink in your email because we've tried on multiple computers 
it just won't sync to your library. And no. we contacted Steam and the first and pretty much... You can't even send attachments to them, whether it be a photo or a screenshot or whatever, no. because it just won't upload. It's weird. Right? And we told them, look, this is what happened. And they're like, oh, it's because the person who gifted it to you gifted it to someone else and they... Um, they redeemed it before you could and i went through and i had a look at my inventory and where there should be four licenses right there were only sorry where there should be three licenses if that was the case because rob had already um redeemed his there should have been three however two were already gone yeah so you didn't want even though i could have just because i reasoned that okay i'll just give you a second license if that makes sense and we just avoid the issue because with the savings i'm not that mad about it and wouldn't have to worry about it because um it was just like for the three of us worst case scenario right yeah and for that sale i could i'd be pissed about it but i could reason that you know the sale counteracted that and then we figured if it doesn't send the first version what's the chance of it Accepting the second version exactly. and us losing two licenses. So we didn't go that route. And um, she was like, oh, this is Gabby of Steam. And she was like, oh, you know, the, the person, they sent it to someone else and they redeemed it before you could. And then it's like, it's still, to this moment, I'm looking at it, it's still in my inventory. So it's I don't know. Ridiculous. It's absolutely trash. It annoys the shit out of me. And this is why I don't like to buy games that are online. And it also fucking lied because when you go to Steam, it says that it's Mac compatible, right? And it's not like you're playing on the screen. You're just watching your person move around and you're looking at the map they built literally on your screen. But apparently Catalina doesn't support it. Which is stupid. And if I had have known that, I just wouldn't have bought it to begin with. So I'm tossing up. I just hate it when they do dumb shit like this and they treat you like you're a fucking idiot even though you actually know what you're talking about and so I took all these freaking screenshots and I tried to send them through to her but because the stupid online chat doesn't let you attach stuff because you know it's steam and they don't want to give people their money back what do you do? It's just what the hell do you do? You just let it all go through Yep. That's it that's the most recent one. Was there anything else? No, that, that's on the money. I think that's it. So, boop, boop. Boop, boop. All good. Alrighty, Hoity Toity. Yeah. I think that's it. That's all yep. I have to say. All good. I'm a, um, you say this to USB. I'll chop and tail it and upload it. And uh, I'm going to get start on dinner. What do we want for dinner tonight? I think it's a pizza night. Pizza. What kind of pizza are we talking though? Round ones. No, I thought we'd go for octagonal. Okay. Octagonal it is. Yeah. So anyone else there having pizza? But what us... pizza? Seriously, are we, are we doing the Domino's? Are we doing... What's what's on the Domino's sale? Let's have a look at the app today. But, def- def- no, but what pizza do you feel like? Do you feel like Pizza Hut? Do you feel like Domino's? Do you feel like La Pochetti? What do you feel like? Maybe Pizza Hut. I feel like chicken tonight. Yeah, so like maybe chicken we're going tonight. Pizza Hut. Let me just see what the Domino's stuff is. Do, 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 do. Yeah, so do, 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 do. All that pizza. Let's say it was a delivery, even though we're not doing it. Why won't you sign me in? Rude. Rude. Ugh. This is crap. I'm going to figure it out. 
I don't know why, but I feel like a lot of apps since the conversion to the new OS just haven't been... Good? Yeah. They've been shit? Yeah. So that's crap. And so I go to log in and then literally I'm on the login page and it says this account has already been registered with an email address. So this email address has already been registered with this account. Right. And it's like I'm going for login. But I'm not going to say anything to them because that would be annoying, wouldn't it? Yes, yes, it would. So, and it doesn't give you the option to save your email address in the memory. Just I'm just silly. annoyed at everything. Ignore <laughs> me. Yeah. Uh, so well. I've just accepted that I'm just a shit person. <laughs> so while we hunt for pizzas, um, we shall let everyone, you know, carry on. With Live things. your best life. Yeah, so... Um, if you yeah. have any specific topics you would like us to cover... Yeah, be sure to shoot us a line. Yes. I, I literally have a long list, but I will prioritise if there's stuff... You, we're going to cover bioluminescence next week. Yep. So excellent. We might even record it this week, so it's ready yeah, for next so week. What do we put this one through? Atmospheric tacos? No. Mm. The, name of this pro- the name of this project. Um, I need actual medical attention. That I need actual. Man, that's funny. Um, this is episode. It, it's literally the top of your page, right? Literally the first sentence on this document that I forwarded to you. Yeah. Podcast number twenty, ep number twenty-one, Cheyenne Mountain Mountain Complex. Yeah, but the listeners want the really funky names. No, like they don't, because I asked tacos. people, and yeah. they said no. I want to know what your main topic is for the day. Okay. So, if anyone wants to know what my topic of the day is, be sure to DM me and let me know. So, you know, we know that the serious side is Cheyenne Mountain Complex. All right, what would you call it if you were allowed to label it? Mysterious Atmospheric Tacos. But you didn't... See, you can't clickbait because you didn't talk about mysterious tacos in the atmosphere. Yeah, I did. I, we were talking about Cheyenne Mountain and we talked about tacos and yeah. And yeah. 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 Yes, I have references. <laughs> Not good ones, but I have references. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, what format? What reference format? Uh, mine. What's that? Uh, Letterbox. Because uh, mine at the moment is MboJ. I'm going to go Harvard. But we don't use Harvard. I know. <laughs> Neither does Harvard. Mm-hmm. What was your thesis? Embo? Embo. I'm pretty sure my second one's Embo. Embo. So... But yes, uh, we're going to... Let's look at pizza prices, dude, here, bro. Prim- try any large premium pizza, being the New Yorker traditional or value pizzas, delivered from 15 bucks each. No, thanks. What's it for pickup, then? <sighs> yep, yeah, all right. I'm hungry. Done. I'm going to figure this out. Woo. Have a great morning, day, night. Um, We're recording this on Monday the 2nd of the 2nd. What? 2nd of the 2nd. Stop me. Uh, so this will go up the following Sunday. So you guys will he- be hearing our voices on the 8th of December. Yes. Um, so thank you so much, everyone. Hope you're having a fantastic day or yes. night or whatever it is, wherever you are. And you shall hear from us in the next one. And to anyone who is currently playing World of Tanks, I challenge you. <laughs> What's your name so people can add you as a friend? Full Metal Chicken. Wow, that's a handle. I know, right? Yeah, Full Metal Chicken. 
Yeah. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> Funny Yo. games. Full metal chicken. Yo. Yeah. Our clan is load up, blast everything. I didn't come up with the name. I just joined years ago. Oh, question is, which dominoes do we want to pick up from the one that gave us mayo poisoning? Uh, preferably not, no. No mayo poisoning. Because I felt that for a week. I was. <laughs> I smelt that for a week. Oh, yeah. And on that note... Have uh, a fantastic day. Yes, thank Goodbye. you very much. I'm Full Metal Chicken. And, uh, yes, it's Steph, Steph. And, yes, until next time, au revoir.